0: Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today is episode 105, and we have the driver of the number 5 and 55, Matt Mills, who is making his Cup Series debut this upcoming weekend at Kansas Speedway for BJ McLeod Motorsports. Plus, we got some Talladega to recap Bad Brad Kislowski does it again. Kansas to preview. But before we do any of that, we're paying homage to some interesting names. You may have heard of some. You may have not heard of others that have piloted the number zero 05 car. Papa Siegel has more in this week's Wayback segment.
1: Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 105. I'm still recovering from trying to pronounce Carl Kike name last week. And as the episode numbers go up, The challenges for this segment increase as well. So, what to do, what to do for number 105. 203 cup starts for the 05, the first of which didn't happen until 1963. Donnie Allison, Joe Weatherly, Elmo Langley, and Jim Sauter all drove the 05 at various times. Dick Brooks posted a top five finish in the 05 in 1979 but we remember him more for his time driving Junie Donlevy's 90 car. Others who wield the number included Possum Jones and Slick Johnson, neither of whom had particularly noteworthy racing careers, but they both had great racing names, right? Possum Jones actually won a couple of old NASCAR convertible series races in the 50s. So where does that leave us? Well, the man who drove the 05 the most, 120 times in the 1970s, was David Sisko. The Nashville campaigner posted six top five and 31 top ten finishes during his time in the 05. Good old 05 hasn't been on the track since 1993 at Watkins Glen. That's all for this week. Just how Doove likes them, nice and short. Back to you.
0: Thank you, Dad. Yeah, Possum Jones. Different times, different names of race car drivers. I love those. Let's get this episode started as we always do with a good (laughs)
2: old-fashioned
0: race recap time from Talladega Super Speedway, the Geico 500. Going into the race, I wasn't really as hyped as I usually am for Talladega races, I think that's just because I was really busy, and I was like, oh, yay, Dega, woohoo!" not in the playoffs, but whatever, it's fine. But once we were racing, I got pretty hyped up about it. It was pretty dicey early on. Uh, had two first-time stage winners in the race. Stage one went to Matt Benedetto. Stage two went to Bubba Wallace. You had Joey Logano, who flipped at the end of stage one as everybody was jostling for position at the finish, and he did not mince words about the Super Speedway package, said it's unsafe. It's dangerous that he's one hit away from the same situation Ryan Newman was in in the Daytona 500 in February of 2020. Something needs to change, and I got to tell you, I don't see where he's wrong. Now, I don't know what they will change or if they will change anything because there's only two more races of this package, and then it's going to be obsolete because of the next-gen car coming in. But apparently, next-gen is gonna be more prone to flipping over because the underbody of the car is flatter, which makes it more prone to lift off. I I don't know the details of that and the specifics. I'll trust the other people that are way smarter than me on that. But Joey's got a point. Whenever the car flips, it is compromised and the safety of it is compromised. And that's the main thing he's talking about because all the things on, on the race car that are meant to keep the race car driver safe, they're not built to withstand something when they're up in the air suspended, you know what I mean? And it's not suspended, but you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, So Joey flipped. That was pretty scary. Thankfully, he emerged unscathed, and Bubba Wallace almost rammed into him, but he didn't, thankfully. Not as many big ones overall in the race, though, and I think that it was a pretty tame race by Talladega standards, probably because of what we saw in lap 15 of the 500. My front stretch compadre Michael Massey pointed that out to me this week on the Front Stretch podcast, as to why the race was tamer. And I think a bunch of team owners, Michael said it, went to their drivers and said, hey, look, don't crash out early, all right? Stick around to the end to when it matters. And that's what happened. But for the sixth time in his career, Brad Kozlowski comes through the wreckage and wins at Talladega Super Speedway in a bit of rarefied air with this victory. Now he's tied with Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon, for the second most all-time wins at Talladega behind the late great Dale Earnhardt, who I believe has 10. It's a pretty, pretty big accomplishment for Brad. He walks us through his race and what it means to be on that list with those drivers.
3: I don't know why, but the spring Talladega race always seems to be a little bit that way, but here so it was, I mean, you would never think that these cars with the spoilers they have on them. So, I mean, what, what Dale Jr. called a big-ass spoiler, <laughs> you would never think that with a spoiler this big that the cars would be so loose and out of control. But, you know, it, I think it just goes to show you that we just iterate around it um, and the teams find ways to get the cars back to on the edge because that's where the speed is, uh, even with the spoiler that looks like it came off of a wing sprint car. More than I ever dreamed, I can tell you that. But, but I would, I, I would pause and say Dale's record is so far out there that, yeah, I have a shot at it, but it's a distant shot. Um, you know, I, I think, you know what, you got to get seven before you can even begin to think about ten, but uh, still pretty cool to be on the same list with him on anything. That's for sure, even if it's second.
0: How bad his crew chief Jeremy Bullens comes back after a really bad pick call the weekend before at Richmond, and now he wins. So that's good for him. Uh, I think eighth different winner in nine races this season. Is that what it is for the Cup Series? I believe so. Uh, you had William Byron come home in second place. Michael McDowell with a third-place run. Talked with him on the Front Stretch podcast this week about that. Impressive showing there. Kevin Harvick, top five, and Matt DiBenedetto as well. Some people think Matty D kind of gave the win away by going off the bottom. You know, you're in like a lose-lose situation there because you're trying to block every single run that's coming at you, and it's just really, really hard to do. Give a call to Kaz Gralla in sixth as well. Call of Racing and Harrison Burton coming home with a top 20 finish in his Cup Series debut for Gaunt Brothers Racing, was inside the top 10 on the restart and then fell back because his plan did not come together. But pretty solid race overall. I enjoyed Talladega. The TV numbers were up, so that was positive to see. Overall, solid race. And even though the Super Speedway package probably needs some tweaking for safety reasons, look at all those viewers and the show that it put on, and I don't know if they're going to change anything. How about Jeb Burton, too, down to the Xfinity Series? A first-time winner in that series, thanks to Mother Nature intervening on Saturday afternoon. But if there's one person that didn't care, it was Jeb. (laughs) He's an emotional guy, as we know, and it's been a really, really long road for him personally to get back to victory lane in the NASCAR National Series. It wasn't a fluke by any means either. I mean, he still led 20 or so laps on the day, so this win was a legit one, and he's run really well all season long. He mentioned that Martinsville, he had circled. They did not perform up to what they thought they would there. So going to Talladega, able to run with their college racing teammates up front, positioning themselves for the right place at the right time when the rain came. Good for Jeb. It's one of the most popular wins of the season so far. Everybody in the industry seems to like this guy. And I do too. Really nice fella. Works his ass off. And it's a well-deserved win. Man, it's been a tough
4: road ever since that truck, your truck, truck year um with Turner um you know we, we were lights out that year and I didn't even really know what I was doing I was going to racetracks the first time leading laps setting poles we should have won a lot more races that year and ever since then it's just been really tough to um, stay at a place and, and get in a rhythm and it's been an up and down roller coaster career for sure just on the sponsorship side and, and finding the right home but now I have that and, and Nutrient ag Solutions took a leap <laughs> a faith in me and gave me this opportunity. And then the partners that I've built over those years um, came along with me and and helped make this dream happen. And I've got all the tools at Kylie Grayson to, to try to go win a championship. And um, we've had some pretty good runs this year. I need to be a little bit better. And um, this win couldn't have came at a better time.
0: Hey Jeb. Yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, you're an emotional guy for better, for worse. And I know you've probably imagined this day in this moment for a long time, Probably not with a rain shortened race, but it is what it is. So how does the reality compare to what you've imagined for all these years going through the hardships that you have?
4: Man, I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to enjoy it, and uh, I'm already thinking about Darlington in a couple of weeks. I'll be at the shop Monday preparing for it. So um, I'm just trying to relax a little bit and, and enjoy it. My mind stays wide open, and, and I am an emotional guy. Um, I try not to let those get in my – in the way of driving, but um, those tears that you see are just from all the the hours and hours and late nights of not sleeping, to doing everything I could off the track to be a better driver, to finding sponsorship, picking up the phone, calling people, doing everything I can do to, to get this opportunity. And a lot of people were involved to, to make this one happen. Um, and that, that pressure is there, and, and I want to perform for all those people and myself. So that's where that emotion comes from.
0: And I know you said that you have a lot of unread texts. Have you been uh, able to contact your dad or have you still not talked to him yet?
4: Yeah. Um, one of my dad's good buddies, Chris Baines, um, he was here and uh, he gave me the, gave me the phone. And, and I definitely broke down talking to my dad and mom. They were on the phone and um, they told me to, to – um, dry it up and stop crying and enjoy it. It just, uh, they were crying too, but we we just, uh, we've wanted this for so long. It's been a tough road, and finally get one out of the way is uh, is nice.
0: Venturini Motorsports continues their super speedway dominance in the Arkham Menards Series. Corey Heim wins his second super speedway race in a row, dating back to Daytona earlier on in the year.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, there's a lot of luck involved, I feel like, just to get back up front. But, um, you know, I made a mistake kind of in the middle of the race and that kind of set us back a little bit. Um, I think we were like 15th, 16th at one point, uh, which was the deepest point we were all day. And um, I had to really work hard to get back to the front and um, just try to make the the best decisions that I could and and, uh, hope that the rest of it would work itself out. And, uh, you know, truth be told, it kind of did. So, you know, we found ourselves uh, up in, I think, third on that last restart and um you know drew found a hole and kind of shoved us past the 23 there so um you know i think i was in the prime position there at the end regardless um you know drew did a phenomenal job of uh, you know getting me out front and um you know to win, win these super speeder races you got to have some help and um we were just the two best helpers all day i think you know if, if, if drew was in front of me i think i would have done my job to get him out front and uh vice versa and there's plenty of people working working together throughout the field so uh, me and drew are just the best two i think the day
0: and also, a lot of things that came out, and also the big storyline that I think came out from the Arca race was something that I did not see live, but the 29 car of Derek Lancaster was in a insanely scary, fiery, inferno-type crash, and the car was completely engulfed in, f- in flames. It was really harrowing. And when you see that, you say, all right, you got to get out, got to get out, got to get out. And usually, you know, there's a heat sensor in the car that will deploy a fire extinguisher. I don't know if that didn't work. Bottom line is Derek Lancaster is currently in stable but critical condition. He's been on a ventilator for, at the time of this recording, two to three days. His wife, Beth, has been posting updates on Facebook, and they've been shared on social media from a couple beat reporters. Uh, So he's on a ventilator He has second to third degree burns on his arms, his neck, and his face, Um, and they're beginning to wean him off of the ventilator so they can get treatment to his lungs. This is bad. I mean, when you saw the crash, you're like, wow, that's a big fire. He's got to get out. And then the car stops, and he just didn't get out. And I don't know what happened with the fire extinguishers inside. I don't know what happened with the safety response team. I understand that Talladega is a really, really big track, but... Something's got to change because we cannot have another situation like that. So we're keeping Derek Lancaster and his family in our thoughts and prayers this week. Interview time! Let's chat with Matt Mills, who you've probably heard the name if you're an avid NASCAR fan, but you probably don't know a whole lot about him. As I told him multiple times in our conversation, I was like, look, I don't know a whole lot about you, and if I don't, I don't think a lot of people do either. But he's making his Cup Series debut this weekend at Kansas, for BJ McLeod Motorsports, has run full-time in Xfinity the past couple years in the five car, underfunded equipment, not so many great finishes to show for him, but we chatted about that and how that differentiates from his entire career up to that point. Plus, getting approved to run in the Cup Series is very topical right now, considering we're fresh off the Jennifer Jo Cobb fiasco so we talked about that a little bit learned a little bit about him off the track as well and his background before on two wheels and why he decided to add two more and go the stock car racing route so here's somebody you probably don't know a whole lot about but you will after listening to this conversation matt mills on victory lane (laughs) pleasure to welcome on to the podcast this week somebody that's in the news because he is making his cup series debut at kansas speedway But you've heard his name around because he's been in Xfinity for a while, has a handful of truck starts. Matt Mills with us today. I'm excited to talk with you, Matt, because frankly, I don't know a whole lot about you. And if I don't, I don't think a lot of the listeners do. So I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. But let's start with the topic at hand. Cup Series debut this Sunday at Kansas. You got to be feeling pretty excited. Probably the biggest race of your life, I'd say, right?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um You know, it's, I was talking to dad last night and it's crazy, you know, when I was five years old, I was just playing with my race cars on our coffee table, making, making laps and stuff. And it's just like, you watch the races while you do that. And it's like, man, I really want to be a NASCAR driver someday. And it's, you kind of pass it off as, yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? And, (laughs) you know, is for all the hard work that we've, that we've put in, um, since we started racing and always just keeping that dream since I was a little kid um, to make it come to life. is just so, so surreal. And um, for BJ to believe me, to give this up, op- give me this opportunity is just incredible. Cause he really doesn't have to do it. And, um, but he, he's doing it. Cause he believes believes in me, He sees something. Um, and I couldn't think of a better person to make my debut for.
0: So we see you got JF electric on your polo. Uh, I assume they had something to do with this, but I feel like it kind of came out of you know thin air. It's actually kind of topical when you talk about drivers getting approved and whatnot, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but how did this entire opportunity come together for you? Because BJ's running in the Cup Series with Live Fast, but now he's fielding a car under his own name for you that he will be competing against, technically. So how did this entire opportunity come together? Because it seems like, you're doing well in Xfinity doing your thing and then boom, all of a sudden let's go cup racing.
5: Yeah, it was, it was something that we, we talked about doing last year, honestly. And, um, it just never happened. The situation was never right. Um, so when we were doing our Xfinity deal, we kind of wanted to, you know, obviously BJ had already got his, uh, cup program up and going and is like, man, that'd be, that'd be cool to at least do a couple races in that. And, um, BJ's, he's already got all of his race sold on the live fast side. And obviously mm-hmm. he's wanting to run a good majority of them. And so we were like, all right, well, we at least want to, you know, try and just make a debut this year. And he's like, well, come back to me with, um, you know, your Xfinity program and we'll see if we can try and work in, you know, a cup race or something, just your debut. So that's really how it just came about, and we honestly didn't know it was going to be Kansas until maybe a month ago. You know, we were shooting for like a Richmond or something like that, and it just didn't work out. So um, Kansas popped up, a infinity free weekend. So it was kind of just a no brainer. That was the ideal place to go do it.
0: So do you have any second thoughts about maybe being approved or not being approved when all the Jennifer Joe Cobb stuff was going mm-hmm. on? Cause that's the first thing I thought of when I saw the news, I was like, okay, he has been approved, right? Like he actually is going to yeah. make the start. I know that had to be going through your mind.
5: No. And that's something that I, I try to stay up to date with,
0: um, year to year anyway.
5: Um, you know, just, I just like to know what I'm approved for. And, mm-hmm. and yes, before, like we got before we even sent, um, chassis and stuff to make sure is approved and make sure wraps are approved. Like we, that was the first thing that we did was make sure that I was approved to run this. And mm-hmm. honestly, we had all that stuff done before, you know, the Jennifer Jo Cobb situation. Gotcha. So uh, we did, we did execute on that part, make sure I was approved and everything. And, um, the approval process, I, I'm sure it's, it's changed a lot since the last time that I really had to, to go and ask for approval and stuff. So, um, I think NASCAR is doing a pretty good job with that. I know they've gotten a lot, a lot more strict. Um, but, um, so I, I do have, um, some good finishes in the trucks and Xfinity stuff at Kansas. And i when you have a guy like BJ McLeod, that's, you know, doing a lot in the sport right now, he's one of the most respected drivers in the garage. And I think him helping me with this opportunity kind of helps with my approval too just showing that you know people respect him and if he believes in me to do this then all right well maybe this kid you'll be all right, right so
0: yeah bj is one of the most respected drivers in the garage like you said so to have his blessing and driving his car i'm sure that had to do wonders if you can and you know share as much as you want you know we've heard what the approval process is like in terms of well they look at this they look at that you know they ask this person did they involve you at all? Like, did they come to you and say, okay, well tell me about this race or what do you think you're going to do in this scenario? Like, how does that work for you as the driver?
5: Yeah. is you know, it used to kind of be where you just had to go through one person, um, where they, you kind of just told them a little bit, your story. Um, you know, they'd check on racing reference and stuff like that.
0: Right. But now you've
5: got to go through three people. Um, even kind of goes to a, to a legal side, um, Mm -hmm. for for your approval. And really, um, they, they check your racing reference. You, you tell them your stats. Cause especially like underfunded side of it, you know, I seen a couple of people on social media talk about lead lap finishes and stuff like that. It's, you know, I had, a couple top 15s last year and which is really good for our, our underfunded team, but we were yeah. still a lap down. So it's like that goes in the stat sheet, but it's like we still ran really good for our mm-hmm. race team. Um, you know, and uh, we have more part failures and than, than bigger teams and stuff like that. So it's you know, like a couple weeks ago at Martinsville, not to be kind of scattered here, but a couple weeks at Martinsville, we were with we broken pace laps, got it fixed, six laps down stat sheets, not going to mean anything now, but right. the rest of the race, we ran top 15 times with 15 to go. We were running eighth quick times, but it's like, that doesn't get recorded, you know? So, um, uh, sorry. That's when it called me. Um, good. but yeah, so the approval process I think is it's finally getting to a good consistent basis. Um, I think that's what everybody kind of gets aggravated about is nothing's consistent. So, um, but no, it definitely was a little bit harder to get through the approval process this time around. Obviously this last step that you kind of have to go through. So I understand it, Um, but it helps when you got guys like BJ kind of helping you do it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I hear you on that. And, and like, like you were mentioning, I mean, You look at your racing reference page, you see 79 Xfinity starts, 11 truck starts, one top 10 combined, and a handful of lead lap finishes, and people will say, oh, why is he approved to drive a cup car? That doesn't tell the full story, as you said. You you just told the Martinsville story. That's a perfect example, and I'm sure that you've been dealing with tons of people in the last 24 hours who have never met you, probably didn't even know that you were running full-time Xfinity and have been for the last couple of years giving you warrantless crap all the time how do you deal with that do, do, do you take it and you know absorb it and say like okay i'm reading this it's annoying or do you say like this joe schmo literally doesn't know what he's talking about i'm doing my deal they approved me for a reason screw him you know what i mean
5: yeah well that's you know i'd be lying if i say i just kind of like scroll and i was like you know whatever but i mean yeah i mean i, I read that stuff you know um it, it sucks but within minutes I had, you know, guys like uh, Garrett Smith, they call me Tommy Joe um, crew chiefs that I've had in the past because they, they know like they've been there, you know, they've seen that I I can go fast and I've always been in underfunded equipment. Um, And it's just like, I, I feel like BJ is the best example. He's never really got to showcase what he can do in top quality equipment, but Justin Allgaier was telling me a couple weeks ago when we were on the grid just talked and he's like BJ is the most respected underfunded guy in the garage yep. and that's who you're trying to impress people in the garage because they see it they know fans and you know I, I love the, the support that I do have um, I'd say for the most part it was positive release um, you do have your, your people that are kind of like to just complain you know if Jimmy Johnson Always was have those again, people, yeah. yeah if Jimmy Johnson was coming back this week and there'd be a few people complain about it so <laughs> I mean it is what it is but no that's um but guys like Garrett Smithley who's been through it that uh, that called me and you know that's that's who I'm trying to gain respect from is is people like that because you know they see it they they know what's like um so yeah. So I mean, you kind of you kind of just you see it scroll on, is what it is. I'm glad they're not making my decision.
0: Yeah, what's that saying? Keep calm, carry on. It's like keep calm, keep yep. scrolling, whatever it yep. is, right? Um, yeah, and I think you mentioned it in the release too. You know, one of your main objectives of of the race this weekend at Kansas, your first Cup start, is to finish the race and gain respect, and yep. that's kind of what you've been doing in terms of a goal marker. In Xfinity, the past couple of years, because I've, as we mentioned, you're not in race-winning equipment. It could happen. It's it's rare and it's unlikely, but it's not going to happen every single week. You're not going to go to a mile and a half track or a mile track where Arrow is, is paramount and so is handling and outrun Gibbs and J- Junior Motorsports and Penske. I mean, you understand that's not going to happen. So, in a way, you're translating what you've been doing in the past couple of years in the Xfinity car just to the top tier premier level in the cup series, racing against guys that you don't race against every weekend. And that's where the respect level comes in. Do I have that right?
5: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that's another thing where, where BJ's taught me how to be respectful to the leaders, you know, um, the day might come where it's reversed, um, where you are in uh, competitive equipment and you want lap cars to respect you and everything like that. So, um he's definitely taught me a lot on that like even I was asking questions on not how can I go fast this weekend I, like where like as a lap car like I'm I know where I'm gonna be um like where where should I run um who should I watch out for who should I give extra room so that's definitely the main goal this weekend run all the laps um be respectful don't be shown on tv don't have you know all the broadcasters talking talking about she's spinning out or something like that so really i just want to go there um enjoy the moment you know this is just a one race deal right now so Mm -hmm. just want to go out there and enjoy it um and uh know that i achieved my my racing goal and um just uh yeah um i just want to be respected really i don't want to go out there and really prove anything other than you know i can be here
0: so you said that was your racing goal to get to the cup series
5: absolutely um you know since i was a little kid obviously uh and there was a time you know even my dad kind of he hates to admit it but even when we started racing go-karts like i don't come for money or anything like that Uh, my parents still have normal jobs and uh we started racing go-karts we had to go find sponsorship just to complete a um 12 race schedule at our home track in midville ohio because we my dad bought a go-kart mom was all mad that he spent that kind of money on it he's like well it might just sit here in the garage because i don't have any money to run it (laughs) so we had to go find sponsorship for that and Mm -hmm. so it's just crazy how far that we've came um going from no funding on a go-kart to to being able to make my cup debut so we've came a long way and that's why i just want to enjoy this weekend um nobody can put me in a bad mood on social media or anything because yeah. you know actually i'm fulfilling my dream so that's all i can ask for
0: that's pretty sweet it's a cool story let's go back to your career though because it's an interesting one and and like i said i didn't know about it until i researched it and, that, and if i didn't know a lot of people don't know um yeah. So it's not often that you see somebody come into the national series of NASCAR with zero combined ARCA or K&M Pro Series starts. That's, that's not right. often that you see that, but you did that. You raced, yep. obviously, in stock cars before. You, you were in the CRA Pro Series and Jags with late models. So you ran a lot of late models, um, and you won some championships growing up, like racing in general Was that like a conscious decision for you to just stay on the late model route and and keep going on those short tracks that you raced on growing up? Or was there any thought of potentially dipping your toe into the NASCAR scene and maybe going RKKNN? Because you got approved, but you never ran a race.
5: Yeah. No, it was – honestly, it was just a funding deal. Um, You know, we we had money to to start traveling a little bit with late model stuff and be able to get my name out there a little bit and Mm – um, actually I got noticed by the agency that I'm still with now, Spire. I got, it was a late model race in Alabama and they were, the rattler? We had, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, um, so really like following year we had money to go run ARCA or K and N, but we didn't know what the next year held as far as funding wise. And it was like, all right, we could run four park their races or K and N races with pretty, pretty good team or we can go to Bobby daughter and run four truck races. And I'm like, let's just do that. The NASCAR trucks, like let's, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm right, let's just go there. Yeah. And, um, cause we didn't know what funding we had, you know, this might've been my only chance to go be a NASCAR truck driver or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, we took it completed all four races. Didn't, tear anything up, and um, so it, it worked out. Yes, if I had the funding where I knew year to year, ten year plan, yes, right. I would love to have went to Arca and KNN, but right. I didn't have that option really.
0: Yeah, nobody does. Uh, well, yeah. some people do, but not everybody has that luxury. Right. So you, you got to do what you got to do. I want to clear something up because you mentioned um, that you grew up around like the Ohio area, but racing reference shows that you you're from Lynchburg, and I've seen both things like. New Pennsylvania, Ohio, which is ironic because Pennsylvania, Ohio, right? All different things. Yeah. Where are you from?
5: <laughs> so I was born in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. I was there for maybe a year, but I I grew up in Ohio. Okay. Um, I've been there. I've lived in Michigan a couple years, but I, for the most part, I'm
0: from Ohio. I got you. Okay, so I was gonna ask, like, if you raced around Langley, Dominion, South Boston, because Lynchburg—that's what comes to mind. Yeah, but I assume that you race more up in like the Midwest.
5: Yeah, um, obviously Ohio, uh, Indiana, Michigan, right? um, Around there.
0: Okay, gotcha. What part of Michigan were you from? Because I went to school at Michigan State.
5: I think we were about. I was. I was like three years old. But I think (laughs) we're 30 miles or so north of Kalamazoo, around that area.
0: Cool. I gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of good racetracks up there. So I'm sure you were uh, able to race there. Okay. So before you got into stock cars with fenders and four wheels, you're pretty good on two. You raced motorcycles at age three, and you did that until you were 11, and you're pretty damn good. Good enough to win a couple championships, I believe. Why'd you stop? Uh, so my dad
5: he raced motocross, and if you've seen him tie his shoes in the mornings these days yeah, and yeah, walk around, that. you kind of understand You're why figured. I got away from it. Um, you know, I still, I like, I still love dirt bikes, watch supercross and every, all the time, keep up mm-hmm. with it. Um, I miss riding, um, but it was just something I knew if you were going to do it, you were going to get hurt, mm-hmm. even if you were good. So, <laughs> um, but I, we, we were always NASCAR fans. And, um, as soon as I, I took a lap in a go-kart, I was like, I was hooked. So, um, I, I'd say uh, I, I, it's dirt bikes is one of those things that you can kind of keep as a hobby, you know, where I'm at in NASCAR now it's, you know, this is my job, this is my career and it's a pretty good one. You know, I can always go back and, you know, just ride around, have fun with dirt bikes. So,
0: yeah. I mean, you saw what happened to Brett Moffat, so I don't blame you.
5: Yeah, that one.
0: That's that's why I don't. <laughs> yeah. Not just yet. Yeah,
5: maybe maybe when I get it, you know, maybe if I ever get a little more settled in and everything. Yeah. But.
0: I hear you. Did you ever get injured when you, I mean, you were 3 to 11 when you were doing uh, motorcycle racing. So you're pretty young then, but did you ever get like seriously hurt or anything like that?
5: Uh No, I've... I broke a collarbone one time, um, Casual. I think I was like eight, eight. And, um, that's the only injury I've ever had. I had more injuries playing football and baseball than racing. So, yeah,
0: I tell people all the time when they don't get it. I'm like, racing's actually like one of the safer sports you'd find yes. hard to believe. And they're like, what? And then I explain to them how safer barriers move and yep. how like carb, like it, it's not. So, uh, yeah. that's good that you didn't get hurt too bad. But I mean, like even so, supercross riders are just a different breed and even yourself like growing oh, yeah. up on two wheels you're just like yeah i just broke my collarbone once i'm like that's like that's a big deal to me but people yeah. are just yeah i broke this collarbone three months ago and then you know the other day i just like broke my yeah. leg it's they are they are crazy yeah crazy different their breed. bike three riders months.
5: are a different breed like yeah. it's it's insane
0: And i'm sure so. you watched your dad get injured a lot growing up too right
5: oh yeah no, I um had to help had to help mom take care of him for about six months when he when he shattered his ankle on a dirt bike. So, man, but part of it, yeah, you know, he still rides. So <laughs>
0: can't Get take it out it. of him. I know that. No, nope. so you did that up until when you were 11. You got in a go kart. Um, I guess the first time was that when you were 12 years old because that's when I read when you started. And in the grand scheme of things. 12 years old is relatively late to begin a racing career on four wheels specifically. You're clearly doing well for yourself now. So good for you. But, um, was that like when the bug started to get itched a little bit more in terms of going the NASCAR route?
5: Yeah. Um, no, for sure. Um, and honestly, before I was, uh, I knew before 10 years old, we wouldn't have been able to have any kind of funding for racing at all. You know, we could, do um you know dirt bike stuff almost close to uh, as a hobby almost um Mm -hmm. but when the go the go-kart was a was a big commitment so when i was 12 years old things were going a little bit better funding wise um in our household and um that's really what pulled the trigger on it and because we we wanted to we wanted to race something you know and there was a track literally a mile down the road from us where we just moved and it just convenient. yeah no it was it was very convenient and so dad came home with a go-kart just one night after you know we had been talking about it and like i said mom got all mad she's like why would you buy this like we can't afford to run this and he's like i know he's like bud over there is gonna go find some sponsors so that's what we did um and we were able to do it and uh don't regret one bit of it.
0: Even but looking back now, I mean, like the first sponsor that you were able to get with that go-kart and sponsors that you've had over the years running in trucks and Xfinity, you've probably heard from them a lot now in the past couple of days or so making your cup debut being like, hey, we were along for the ride with you. Congrats, buddy. That must be pretty cool. Right.
5: Yeah, no, um, I guess Facebook's probably the best place for, yeah. for that kind of stuff. You know, all the people you grew up with and and everything like that and old supporters and and stuff have for sure been blowing my Facebook, my parents' Facebook up. like, man, that's, that's so cool. Like, you know, somebody, somebody from this little, little town in Ohio made it. So, yeah, um, no, it's very cool.
0: You mentioned earlier, um, you know, you had the decision to run a few Arca races or K and N races, whatever it was at the time with uh, a pretty good team or go truck racing with Bobby Dotter, I believe you said, and you chose the latter option. Talk about getting thrown to the wolves. Your first NASCAR start at Bristol. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, no, take was, me back there. It
5: was horrible. It was uh not <laughs> not a very good idea. Um I what was, that deal, I was it? was
0: it Bobby's or yours?
5: Kind of both, which wasn't wasn't good, you know. Um <laughs> we we wanted to we would rather have done Martinsville, but at the time like it was going to be the playoff race. we were like, don't really want to do that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll tent Bristol. Um, practice was decent qualifying. I didn't qualify last. Um, good job. Yeah. And in the race, <laughs> the first, I remember the first hundred laps were, were pretty rough. Second hundred laps were, were decent. Um, but no, it, it was, Definitely overwhelming. Like I remember the coming in after practice, after five laps, I'm like, man, I don't know. I think I just need to go back to Ohio and race late models. (laughs) Like this is, this is insane. Um, Mm -hmm. and BJ McLeod actually came over to me, um, probably an hour before the race, you know, he seen, I was all nervous and he actually came up and and talked to me and gave me advice and, and everything like that. So it's, it's funny how, how, that all works out. You know, I didn't even know who he was and he, he came up to me and, um, just wanted to help me out. So, and now he's helped me with my cub debut. So it's funny how all things all work out.
0: Yeah. He's, I mean, like we said, he's regarded as one of the nicest, most respected yeah. guys. Just, uh, another example of that. So when you're, when you're turning your first laps at Bristol and you mentioned like the first hundred laps, you're just trying to get a feel for the place, right? Are you falling out of the seat are you overwhelmed? Are you not knowing what turn is which? Are you like, take me back to when you're in the actual car because the only experience I have driving Bristol is about two seconds on an iRacing simulator and I couldn't get off pit row without spinning out. Uh, yeah. So that shows you what I know about Bristol and I can't imagine what it's like to make your first NASCAR start of any kind there with trucks just whizzing by you every single lap i mean yeah that must have been sensory overload to the max
5: yeah especially you know i'm used to racing flat racetracks in you know the north so you go to bristol and the the banking is just overwhelming and i never really got tired because i never had time to think about being tired i was thinking (laughs) about hey this guy's coming up really quick like what do i do like so it was, it was very overwhelming, but like I said, the first hundred laps, I went through all the overwhelming stuff like that mm-hmm. second hundred laps kind of caught my breath, you know, started, I had a lot of, I had Stevie Reeves spot for me, which was a good coach. Yeah. Um, so he helped me out a lot and second hundred laps went a little bit smoother. So.
0: So here's like an overarching question for you, right? Uh, Three to 11, you're running on two wheels. You're doing really well, winning some championships. You're running late models. You're doing well, winning races across the board. And then you head to Bristol and you get involved with this NASCAR journey. And instead of passing people and getting wins, earning checkered flags, big checks, the whole nine, you're having to learn how to stay out of the way and kind of do this entirely backwards way of what a race car driver does a race car driver races and tries to pass and grinds for every single position and you've mentioned it a couple times here like you're just learning how to stay out of the way you want to gain respect by understanding which line to take when the leaders are coming up on you when you started racing in nascars at bristol might be a bad example because that place is just nuts but even when you started learning at other tracks like was that a hard adjustment for you to go from the mindset of, all right, win, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go to, okay, let me learn how to stay out of the way. You know what I mean?
5: No, it's definitely hard. And it's something you don't really think about the first 10 races or so that you do. Um, And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, I understand the car a little bit better now. Now I'm going to try and just work on going faster. And it eventually starts to get you in trouble because your talent is getting better for the equipment that you're in and mm-hmm. you're wanting to take a 20th place car and run 10th with it. And it just doesn't work. Um, you know, and that was something that that Garrett Smithley had to, had to kind of teach me. Um, even Ross, like I remember calling Ross, like after I got, um, let go at Johnny Davis, I remember calling him and just asking him like, what do I do? Like, cause I feel like I'm not driving any different and <laughs> he had to explain that to me because he had been through it Garrett had been through it. Um, so no, it's definitely, definitely hard to to watch those guys just kind of take off from you and know there's nothing really you can do, but run your own race and do what you can. And When we do have runs like we did last year at Richmond where we ran 13th, um, both nights, that's when it makes it rewarding when you can go back and race with those guys and, know that you just took a 20th place car and ran top 15 with it so that's really the goal that we're trying to do and maybe someday rules would be reversed and you know we can kind of go compete
0: yeah those are the dream days you uh you have but like you said i mean running for small teams like you have i think i did the research you've run for bj mcleod jennifer joe cobb you've run for tommy joe martins jd motorsports for a couple races and and some others that I'm probably forgetting Bobby daughter, obviously that's all, you know, in NASCAR, right? I mean, you have not experienced driving a JGR car or a Penske car or a car that is three, four tenths faster than the ones that you're in. And we always hear about the race within the race. You know, you have your guys competing for the win. Then you have your guys that, you know, as you mentioned, finishing top 15, that is a huge win for teams right. like you take us into what people don't see on television or don't see on social media throughout the week because you don't have the fastest pit crews. You don't have an allocation of fresh tires whenever you want them. Um, You don't have an entire team of engineers working back at the race shop, doing all this data and preparation, preparing these cars. People, you know, they hear that and they might understand that, but if you can't just let the people understand a little bit more as to what it actually is like, because you have lived this for a handful of years.
5: Yeah, no, honestly, it's, it's funny. Um, just a quick example. I was talking to Jesse little, we rode down to Talladega with each other. And he was telling me, you know, back when he he was in K and N and truck stuff, like he was in competitive things, you know, when he showed up to the racetrack, he was going for wins. Yeah. And now he's in the situation where he learned at Johnny's and he's learning this year where it's, you're back there racing for 20th, 15th and you're driving way harder than like, than you really think you are, um, or and then people realize like you're back there and you're trying to get everything you can to get that 15th place finish or 20th place finish. And it's, it's a heck of a race back there. Honestly, um, I wish that some TV of the best would show, show some of it. Um, and that's what I even realized that Martinsville, you know, I, I sat in the stands for the cup race and, um, just wanted to watch. And I watched towards the back, you know, I was watching BJ, he was making some really good moves and, you know, he was had speed inside the top 30. And I was like, man, like that guy is racing his ass off. Like that's a good race back there. Mm -hmm. And nobody's seeing it other than people in the stands. Um, So there is some really good racing back there and it's, it's hard racing because we're back there. We're, you know, competing for our jobs still, you know, we're, doing the best we can so our guys can eat the next week you know or have a paycheck so we're, we're doing every
0: position matters for you guys yeah
5: yeah so um no there's definitely some good racing back there and it's it's crazy um i'd say even ross and garrett guys like that will will even attest to you know back there we just you're racing for everything you can
0: Let's talk about, um, JD Motorsports because the research that I saw about you again, if I don't know a lot, a lot of people don't know a lot. Yeah. So what I saw was essentially, you know, you, you were going to hopefully potentially run full time with them. You had a handful of races and then the rug kind of got pulled out from under you. I don't know the full story. You can share whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah. W- what happened? Cause I, I really do not know.
5: It, uh, started out as a great opportunity, um, you know, obviously Johnny's got a really good, uh, business over there. You know, he's been around a long time and mm-hmm. it was just one of those things with the experience that I had and learning a lot, I didn't really have everything that I needed as far as, um, people to rely on. And as far as advice and experience on the racetrack and stuff, it just, I didn't really fit his budget. Cause I was tearing up a couple cars. Mm-hmm. And I was just learning a lot, and I just uh, just really didn't fit the budget at the at the time for a young driver that was still learning and everything like that, and gonna make mistakes. And we both seen that, and you know now he he'll still like he'll come up to me and talk and say hi, so there's no like bad blood there or anything. Right. Um, but BJ was fit more my style, I guess, because he he is still racing, he knows I'm still learning. Um, he'll sit down with me every week and talk about what to expect for the race weekend and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it was just a model that really didn't fit, um, yeah. near him. So, um, but BJ's BJ and Jessica have given me a home, they've done a lot for me on and off the racetrack. So it's just, um, makes sense to just stay with BJ, um. You know, and he's even told me it's like I will provide you with a home until you get that big opportunity because he understands it too. You know, he'd like to have it also. Yeah, Um, but he's got a lot of exciting things going right now, and it's it's hard to you know go anywhere
0: else. We mentioned BJ a ton during this conversation. I had Stephen Parsons on a couple weeks ago. I had Matt Tift on a couple months ago it's It's hard to overstate the impact that he's had on the entire garage spanning cup Xfinity trucks, like everything. Can you try to maybe like explain a little bit more of the impact that he has had on you personally and just giving you this opportunity? Little things like what you just said, you know him letting you know, however long you want to be here, you will be here. Like you have my word on yep. that. And again, looking at him, you would not expect that he is the most kind-hearted, nice dude that you'll ever meet in your life. like, I look at him. I'm like, okay, he's, he's in the wrong place. He should be at the WWE match tonight, Yeah, but he is one of the nicest dudes out there. Yeah, he, he might be. Um, but can you just explain like the impact that he's had on you personally and the person that he is, because I think people are starting to get a glimpse, but to have firsthand testimony is pretty rare. Yeah. He's,
5: he's just that, you know, like I said earlier, when I was racing Bristol, he seemed that I was just this nervous kid. He had no idea who I was. He didn't have to come talk to me, but he did. He wanted to help me. Um, and the following year, I made my Xfinity debut for him. He didn't have to give me that. I, I don't bring any kind of big money or anything like that. He didn't have to yeah. do that for me. Um, you know, it's, and he's continued. Like Last year was a really bad season. We both could have said, all right, this isn't going to work because we were just I don't want to say you have good or bad luck, but we had bad luck last year. And um, other than a few good runs, he, you know, we could have parted ways right there, but we both believe in each other. Um, and that's why I came back this year. Um, and he's able to do a cup uh, start for me, and which he doesn't even have to do it for me. Like he's, I, he'll admit he's not getting anything out of it. Um, you know, he's just doing this because he believes in me and, and we kind of have the resources now to be able to do it. So I think he's he's one of those guys that if he believes in you and he sees the work that you're putting in, um, he will help you. Um, and he's just, like I said, he's one of the most respected guys in the garages yeah. by drivers, owners. And he's doing a lot right now, and um, especially at a young age, too, he's being able to be this successful.
0: Yeah. All right, a couple more fun things, and I'll let you run, that. I saw a quote that you really like always remember your focus determines your reality. So I looked that up and I'm like, Oh wow. Motivational. Yeah. Like is this from an yeah. athlete or something? No, it's from right. star Wars. You're yep. a big star Wars guy. You got star big. Wars on your helmet. You yep. love star Wars. Don't you? I
5: do. It's, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, I love, love motocross and I love NASCAR and honestly, I, my free time. Yeah. I like watching star Wars stuff. It's oh, yeah. just one of those things. My dad was kind of into it and, um, I kinda, I got into it and then took it to a whole nother level. Like, uh, I mean, I like, I like collecting, you know, star Wars stuff. It's yeah. You know, I guess part of me, it's that nerdy, nerdy aspect. Like <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm like, I'm just a nerd that races cars for a living. That's, <laughs> that's what I like. So
0: what kind of stuff do you collect?
5: uh posters um obviously i got some star wars helmets and and stuff like that and just collectible stuff um nothing too geeky but um not like
0: sabers or anything like that
5: a couple i've seen um honestly i'm like man i should stop and then you see brian blaney post something about star wars and he's got this and it's like all right so have you
0: talked to him about your guys's obsessions
5: no i've i've never actually been around him okay uh, well
0: Driver intros this Sunday. Yeah. This is your shot. Don't blow it.
5: Yeah, Might have to. Might have to might bond over that. So
0: You should. I'm sure he probably yeah. has Daisy Ridley's number at this point because he's tried to like proverbially yeah. slide in her DMs. More, he has yeah. a big crush on her. So if anything, you could just go up to her go up to Ryan and she be like, Hey, is that Daisy Ridley? Oh, while well, I have your attention, uh, I also love Star Wars. Let's talk about yeah. it. Let's compare our collections, you know? Yeah. That'd be that'd
5: be very pretty great.
0: Yeah, it is. So you have like a couple of Star Wars race helmets that you wear, right? Or is it only just one? I have three at the moment.
5: Oh, yeah. I will I'll be wearing one this weekend for sure. Hopefully it brings some good luck.
0: Good. Okay. So we're learning a little bit more about you. You like Star Wars. Okay. I also read that you enjoy mountain biking and golf. What else do you like to do when you're away from the racetrack and you're just Matt Mills, the civilian? Yeah. Um,
5: honestly, uh, BJ's got me into working out a lot this year. i never worked out before in my life and I started in the off season, lost close to 30 pounds now. And nice. so I enjoy that. Um, enjoy going out on the boat, me and him go out quite a bit. Um, just go out there and relax. BJ's kind of away from the track. He's kind of like me. He likes to do relaxing things, you know, golf or go out on the boat or watch a movie. Like that's, we're, play video games. That's what we like to do. We just want to chill. Um, no, I'm on a real party or anything, big drink or anything like that. And neither is he. So, um, yeah. kind of how it works.
0: Okay. So I want to ask this question to a lot of drivers because I think it says a lot about them. Um, it also depends on the, you know, the teams that they're with, because if you have your own motor home or if your team is a big one and you have a lot of things to do, how do you spend a rain delay? There's a lot of them in NASCAR. And I'm sure that for your guys' smaller team, there's not as much fun things to do in the hauler. How do you spend a rain delay? Uh
5: you hope that your team owner brings his motor home. Um that's how <laughs> I spent mine. Uh
0: and snacks. Before, when it, while it was
5: raining in Talladega, oh yeah, plenty of snacks at BJ's motorhome yeah. video games.
0: So um,
5: but anytime before that, I'm just curled up in the lounge in the in the hauler taking yeah. a nap. So
0: Okay. You know, I, it's so very warm. So I assume you do not have a motorhome, And I know that a lot of people in trucks and Xfinity that are not making these million dollar salaries, like cup yep. drivers, they don't. So instead of staying in motorhomes, you guys like regular old average Joes and fans, you guys stay at hotels on the weekends, right? Like with the fans.
5: Yep. yep. Um, honestly, I think I would stay in a hotel no matter what, like, it'd be cool to have a motorhome at the track, you know, for rain delays and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm a hotel kind of guy. What's your it.
0: favorite uh what's like your favorite destination slash favorite track um i'd say
5: vegas is pretty cool like i said i'm not much of a drinker or party or anything like that but i like vegas it's just cool yeah. um scenery is cool um i enjoy florida for some odd reason i don't know why i always no, like going down there just staying at the beach um yeah. we stay a week down there so um but no, I'd say between those two, I, I always have those marked on my on my list. I'm excited to go to them. Favorite oh, track, so you... though, is Bristol, oddly enough. I love going back there now.
0: Once you got your yeah. first one out of the way, now yep. you're like, bring Once it have... on.
5: Yep. No, Now it's my
0: favorite. Cool. So you're from Ohio. Did you like any other sports growing up?
5: Yeah, I actually played baseball for 10 years and football for
0: seven. Oh, cool. What positions yeah. did you play?
5: So in baseball, um, until I got to probably junior high, I was always uh, shortstop. And then when I got to junior high, went to center field because I was at the time I could run fast. Not now, but <laughs> you um, lost thirty
0: pounds. Maybe you can now. Ah,
5: eh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then football, it was uh, safety.
0: Damn hard hitter. I would not expect that from you.
5: I was I was just able to run run quick. So, like I said, I don't know about now though. Yeah. I hear you on that.
0: Okay. We'll learn a little bit more about you. I like this. I got to let you go. So I'll ask you one more question about the cup race this weekend. We kind of touched on it, but realistic expectations, right? I mean, this is, I believe BJ McLeod Motorsports first career cup start in the entirety of the organization. Uh, Same with you at a mile and a half track where there's going to be a lot of heavy hitters running up front. Um, your goals are to stay out of the way, complete all the laps and don't make the TV broadcast. If we can check those three things off, I think we'll have a a successful race weekend. Is that fair? Yeah. And,
5: um, you know, I, obviously I want to show some speed, you know, I, if I came out of there with a top 30, I'd be tickled. So that'd be awesome. I'd say that that does it. Okay. Hopefully (laughs) BPJ.
0: Yeah. Do you guys have like a bet or anything? no i i've learned to not bet
5: against him you know he's <laughs> he's he finds a way somehow so
0: yeah I, I wouldn't bet against him either also one question about the xfinity program for this year you're obviously running full time in the five cars so realistic expectations over there what do you think you guys can achieve this year
5: uh we've got a couple of tracks marked on the list um but right now we just need to focus on turning our season around um we had three out of the last five races or something, we ended up, you know, having a parts failure or something mechanical. So we need to turn that kind of side around because every track that we went to this year, um we've shown speed where we can run top 20, top 15. So we just need to turn some things around over there and I think we'll we'll get our season back on track and um go to a couple of tracks like Darlington and Richmond, places like that where we can mm-hmm. showcase our speed a little bit more and hopefully knock off
0: some top 15s. Well, Matt, this has been fun getting to know you a little bit more. It's for everybody listening, it's the first time that Matt and I have spoken because, as I mentioned, he doesn't get a lot of coverage, but I thought this was a perfect opportunity to get to know a little bit more about him. So I think we did think we did that. It's always cool to see people live their dreams. So we, uh, we look forward to watching you do that in person on Sunday at Kansas. Thank you so much for the time, man. I, I really appreciate it. You gave me a lot of it, and I know this is a – probably a busy, busy, and one of the biggest weeks of your life. So appreciate the time, appreciate the honesty, and uh, hopefully everybody got to know you a little bit better. I think uh, people will be better off for listening to this.
5: Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: And we're back. I want to thank Matt for his time and also Juliet Korish at BJ McLeod Motorsports for helping coordinate the conversation so quickly and succinctly. She's great. So is Matt. Also, as an aside, I tweeted this, uh, what was it, Tuesday night? On that day, I had a conversation with four people with the initials MM. It was Matt Mills, Michael McDowell for the Front Stretch Pod, Mac McLeod, who's McDowell's PR at Front Row, and also for the Front Stretch Pod, Michael Massey. That's a whole lot of double M's. My God, it's just completely random and pointless, but I wanted to point it out because that's what I do. Okay, race preview time. The Bushy McBush Race 400 at Kansas Speedway. No, do not rewind that. You heard that correctly. The race is literally called Bushy McBush Race 400. One of the best race names I have ever seen in my life. You know, like when you go to a race, maybe for the first time, and you want to get a souvenir, and you get a t-shirt of the race, and it's like, oh, the Pennzoil 400, or, you know, oh, the the Crown Royal 250. I would get a Bushy McBush Race 400 t-shirt just for the meme. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, Bush does incredible activation with Kevin Harvick like almost every week, and now this is just their latest and greatest. I'm all here for it. It's hilarious. It'll make headlines. If people laugh, who cares? They're sponsoring a race. It's all in good fun. Cup race though, the Bushy McBush race 400. I'm gonna say that whenever I can. 3 p.m. on Sunday. Fox Sports One has the coverage. Should be a solid one. Probably going to be hard to pass the leader, though. We saw that happen last year at Kansas with Joey Logano putting on a masterclass blocking Kevin Harvick. I'm looking at Stuart Haas Racing as a whole, though. Wrote this for NASCAR mailbox on frontstretch.com this week. How important is this week for that organization? I used to think it's really important, but then I did some more research, and there's just as many mile and a half races left this season as there are our road courses. So you could argue that this race does not hold any more importance than another road course race does. So when you look at the schedule, some other things pop up to you, but it's probably going to be a Penske, Gibbs, Hendrick show. I mean, those cars are going to be running up front. We'll see if RCR can put Reddick and Dylan up there in the mix as well. Maybe Ganassi, Kurt Busch potentially sneaking up there. Vegas is similar to Kansas and Kurt won at Vegas a couple years ago. So you never know. New winner, repeat winner, I don't know. ARCA and Trucks also in action this weekend, so keep it locked to the Fox family of networks. They'll have you covered all weekend in Kansas. Look nuts of the week. Cue that funky music, white boy. Will Steve Phelps, NASCAR's president, require drivers to get vaccinated? He provided some details. we had a town hall the other day with our employees and i encouraged all of our employees to get vaccinated i think it's important for
4: our company i think it's important for our sport i think it's important for for the country overall
0: Um, you know i'm fortunate enough to have had both of my shots and uh, have been clear for about four weeks Um, as it relates to the driver core i think you'll probably see more and more um, and we'll ask the drivers frankly to try to help promote the vaccination process i think it's really important uh, they have a voice,
4: um, and that voice carries a lot of weight. Uh, to the degree that we can help um, with folks who are uncertain about whether they want to get the vaccine, uh, I think it would be critical to have you know those with the loudest voice within within the sport talking about their vaccinations.
0: Talladega penalties: Only one to report. Ben Bayshore is fined 10 grand for one loose lug nut post race and inspection. Some sad news to report that Charlie Glotzback, the first person to ever exceed 200 mile an hour in a NASCAR race car, he passed away last week at the age of 82. So thoughts and prayers go out to his family. NASCAR announced that the Boys and Girls Clubs of America will be the official youth community partner of NASCAR. Michael McDowell announced a partnership with CarParts.com and a national television spot. That's a big deal for them. And he's going to be... And they're going to have primary sponsorship of the 34 at kansas as we mentioned matt mills making his cup series debut this weekend for bj mcleod motorsports the lonely entrepreneur and richard petty motorsports have partnered for a multi-year deal valvoline has stepped up their involvement at hendrick motorsports sponsoring kyle arson and william byron primarily for multiple races this year and next celsius is sponsoring bj mcleod at live fast motorsports this weekend And a lot of Darlington throwbacks were revealed. Let's run through them. Denny Hamlin is honoring Julius Slick Johnson. Love that name. William Byron's honoring Neil Bonnet with the Valvoline scheme. Xfinity, Jeremy Clements, love this one, honoring Dale Jarrett's UPS scheme with All Southern Electric on his 51. Another one that I love, Michael Annette honoring Jaws. Daryl Waltrip with the Gatorade sponsorship on the one car. Jeb Burton is honoring his father, Ward, uh, with a color scheme on his number 10 car for colleague. Also for colleague Justin Haley, they're honoring the first-ever Leaf filter scheme that was run in the Cup Series. Ryan Vargas and Monarch Roofing are honoring Mark Martin in the sixth car for JD Motorsports. Chase Purdy is paying homage to Davey Allison in the 23 Bama Buggies for GMS. And Timmy Hill is sporting a Kenny Irwin throwback in the 56 lift kits for less truck also some news that broke today matt collig announced on sirius xm nascar radio that they are planning to run a full-time cup car next year at least one car so ridding between the tea leaves they just bought a shop in welcome north carolina they're working on that potential partnership with chevrolet and rcr i don't know potential second car in the cup series i don't know we'll see Brandon Jones is also going to be sponsored by yee yee apparel yee yee at coda and bristol for joe gibbs racing and chase briscoe is returning to Roper racing this weekend in the truck series at kansas that'll wrap things up for episode 105 of victory lane 2.0 good that we had the driver of the five and the 55 on episode 105 if you like what you heard here today if you enjoyed my conversation with matt mills leave a rating and a review subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Usually wherever you get your podcasts, we should be available there for your consumption. And I say it every week. I know it sounds trivial, but it helps spread the word, gets more awareness out for the pod. I hope you guys enjoyed last week with Tony Breidinger. Uh, I, hope, I hope you guys learned some more about her, and I hope you learned more about Matt this week. Next week, we'll have another guest on from the world of NASCAR. Do I know who yet? Uh-uh, but we're going to have somebody. Trust me. Until then, stay safe, get outside, keep wearing your mask when you need to, get vaccinated, and I'll catch you on the flip side.